I've got something very, very, very um, profound to share with you this morning. And uh, God's uh, challenged me with this message and, and to drop it in uh, before we actually get into the extraordinary, the real guts of the message of Extraordinary, the series that we're doing, which is called Extraordinary, How to Live an Extraordinary Life, How to Live Above the Mundane, Above the Ordinary, Above the, you know, just the, the confinement of your own comfortable life, I guess. And so, before I get there, the Lord really challenged me this week about um, one huge fundamental uh, principle and truth about the kingdom and about the Christian life. And that is about the Word of God. <laughs> the Word. Actually, the Word. Who's got their Bibles this morning? Who's got their Bibles? Who's just brought their Bibles and got their Bibles and Dan did the giving message through his iPhone and, and that's cool. But I like the hard, you know, I like the the, the the paperback, you know, the paper version, and I think it's good to have that. And so the Lord's challenging me this week in knowing that who's in the house. So the Lord's challenged me to get to you. So this is for you who's ever in the house this morning and who's ever listening to this message on podcast, that you need to understand one fundamental huge issue about the whole backdrop of our Christian life, and that is about the Word. God spoke. And it's about having this huge confidence and this huge revelation and understanding that God spoke in the beginning and God is still speaking now. But Jesus spoke and, you know, we've got to understand this, that it's by the word of God that God is revealed. Can someone say amen? It's, it's, It's not by you falling over on the altar and experiencing God as I do up on the mountain when I pray that's good, and you have a vision, that's good, and you had a dream, and that's good. But ultimately, I believe that God is saying, and Jesus says it to be true, that God shows himself through the Word. Say the Word. It's through the Word. And God just challenged me before. He says, before you go into that great series of extraordinary, you need to give people a wake-up call that the Word of God is is so fundamental to what which he is trying to do across the planet. And, and I'll show you something when a society, a community and a people don't acknowledge the Word of God, which is the light of the glory of God, the light of God. What happens to a society, and we saw that early this week in England with the riots, when a society, a community don't acknowledge the Word and what can happen to a community, no matter how good it's perfected by politics, or, or, you know, socialization and whatever, if that society is not under the rule and reign of God's Word, it can come unstuck in a big way. Do you know what I'm saying? And we certainly don't want to see that happening in Australia. So I think this week God's just saying to me, I need to take you line by line. Is that cool? For about 25 minutes now and just show you explicitly why the word? And I believe after this, so I'm going to go line by line, a lot of scripture. I'm going to leave out a lot of thrill and try and contain myself from a brief, you know, from expanding. And I want to take you line by line, right from the beginning, right to now, why we need to believe in the word of God. And I believe someone's going to be shifted to buy a Bible, read their Bible if they've got one, 
And they're going to stand on that word and listen to that word and obey it. The Bible says, if you obey the word, you are my disciples. Jesus says that. He says, if you obey my word and live in my word, you are my disciples. doesn't say if you come to church every Sunday, you are my disciples. doesn't say if you pay your tithe, you are my disciples. It say if you obey my word. Does this sound good so far? And I, I, think, I think the people that are listening to on podcasts and you that are sitting in this great facility, I think we need to get just that revival again to believe in the Word of God, that it's not an encyclopedia. It's not like a car's mechanic manual with a set of instructions. And No, it's the living, breathing Word of God that God instituted through the Holy Spirit, through man that wrote it, but it's God-ordained, it's God-alive, and it can powerfully bless and fashion your life to be a trailblazer like you wouldn't believe. Good intentions aren't good enough. You know, zeal is not good enough. You need the Word to live this life that God wants for you. Isn't that sounding so good so far? Tim, I wonder if we can just put up the first two um, gospel-centered. Just there's two statements there that I need to start with. Why the gospel? And then next week, I'm going to I'm going to say I'm going to do this. This is basically the guts of church. Some people are still struggling with church. Some people are coming back to church, but basically, church is about this. Church is about the gospel. So, point number one: the church is gospel-centered meaning that it's based in the Word and the Word has a mission to go out. So there's mission involved. The Word and mission. The Word was in Mingara Coffee Club. Was it not on Wednesday night? Thursday night? Yeah, you got it. You, you guys were up to something on that night. I knew you were, you, were, you were in that raffle or something. I'm sure you guys were doing something. And, uh, and so... Listen, if someone says to you, what's your church about? It's about the word that I believe in. You say, you believe in the Bible. Yeah, I believe in the Bible. I believe it's the word of God. And in that, there's mission in that. That, the, that, 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 that it is a message, a gospel message that is supposed to go out to our friends and family, our cities, our schools, and basically, that's what this church does, if you read what we do as a mission. That's why we have vision builders and people who are committed to the word to go out, give to mission vision builders. That's the vision. Without vision, we perish, we dwell carelessly, we, we, we just, just wander, amble, and, and, and there's no forward thrust, there's no forward momentum. And, and people get discouraged and fall out of church. But if you come to church, subscribe to the Word and realize that the Word of God can change our society, change the school, which it did for Wyong High School. I believe the Word of God changed Wyong School from one of the worst schools into one of the best schools on the Central Coast. I honestly believe that because they let Scripture in there in 1996. They let us guys in there. We went in there and we literally saw it change every year because of the Word of God. Jesus started to rule and reign in Wyong High School. Isn't that fantastic? So the first thing we've got to understand, two key principles that shape the way that we do church is, number one, gospel-centered. 
Word and mission. Is that up there, by the way? Is that? No? Um, gospel is a word. And then the two which I'll share later is community-centered. That means sharing our lives. Truth applied. You're a Christian, but is it applied? So you see, is it applied to your friends and family? Is it applied to your workmates? Is it applied to God? Is it applied to... But I'm talking community. Two facets of church. Church is gospel-centered with a mission. And the second huge thing is community. That's actually what young people are looking for because it's a fatherless generation and there's a lot of dysfunction. We don't have dinners together anymore. And actually, young people are looking for family. Isn't that great? But I want to share about the word. Statement. In fact, our identity as Christians is defined by the gospel and community. We need to be enthusiastic about truth and mission and we need to be enthusiastic about relationships and community. Let's look at John 14.8, the Gospel of John 14.8 and we have this, I'm going to have to go a bit quicker now um, and we basically have someone saying, prove to us there's a God, prove to us. We might even say that at times. And Philip, the disciple Philip says to Jesus, show us the Father that... That will be enough for us. That will do it. John 14, 8 says that. Philip wanted a vision. He wanted an experience. It might be someone here right now coming to church and saying, I want to experience something. I, I, I want to have a full-blown encounter with God. But really, God comes to you by the Word. Do you know what I'm saying? So Philip, all he got was a man talking. For Jesus said in response, Anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. God is revealed in the person of Jesus and the words I say to you. John, you can find that in John 14 and 9 to 10. At the end of the day, visions and miracles and even great apologetics, which I absolutely love, is not the absolute way to experience God. It's the words of God. It's the words of Jesus. It's the words in this Bible that you experience God. Is that good? Someone say something or anything. Just, yeah. Jesus goes on to say, the words I say to you are not just my words, rather it is the Father living in me who is doing His work. Basically, when we preach the gospel, basically God, Jesus is saying, when I speak, Father God does work. When we do the gospel, God does His work. Do you know what I'm saying? That's why it's so important to have the Word of God. In fact, the work of Jesus can be done by every Christian. John 14 verse 12 says, I tell you the truth, anyone who has faith in me will do what I have been doing. He will do even greater things than these. I mean, all these miracles, you Christians are going to even do greater things that all these miracles that I've done, raising the dead, healing the lepers, whatever, you're going to do greater things. Are we going to do greater things? Are we going to, we're going to do something better than raising the dead, raising Lazarus? You, you, is, that, is that really true? Is that? No, 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 hang on. He will do even greater things than these because I am going to the Father. The greater thing is the proclamation of the gospel to save souls. That's the greater thing. That's the greater thing he's talking about right there. Greater thing you will do, Dan, because you're going to preach, you're going to witness at work, wherever, and that is going to win souls. 
Do you know what I'm saying? So you know what I mean? It's not about miracles trying to... No, it's about just witnessing, proclaiming the gospel and God uses that word and he comes out into the Mingara Coffee Club. He comes out into your workplace. I love it, man. God was ruling and reigning in Mingara Coffee Club on Thursday, Thursday night or whatever night it was. and I love that. God's word comes into a situation and Father God then can use that word to perform miracles in people's hearts. Can, can, the, can we just say amen to that? So that's all we've got to do. We've got to just stick to the task. Young people, I used to do scripture in Wyong High School and the kids would just flick paper around and I'm trying to teach the word. and You know, I could just start up some games, Dave, you know, and say, okay, you don't want to know about the word. But no, you've got to stay with the word. I just had to stay with it. Week in, week out, I just keep telling the stories of God and Bible stories. and Eventually, the kids would come around. They would, what's this guy, what's those words? What's it doing to me? Got to stay with the word. Friday night, we had another four souls saved in SGU. You know what I'm saying? Garth is not playing games here. He's not saying, oh, they don't want to know about the Bible. They don't want to know about the word. Let's do some games. Let's get some things happening here. And we'll just bring the young people along to that. And they'll love that. No, Garth's serious about the word. Who knows that? He just stands in, delivers the word. And some kids are cringing, they're mocking, they're mooning him. Did you hear about the person that was mooning a car and the car ran into the poor person? They got really sore buttocks. Uh, I read that in the news. I honestly read that in the news. They were mooning the car. The car ran into the, the man mooning and now the man has sore buttocks. I just find that some of that news just amazing. Jesus gives us a powerful promise. He says in John 14, verse 13, I will do whatever you ask in my name so that the Son may bring glory to the Father. God rules. So if you stay with the word, that's the promise. That's a promise right there. So if you keep reading in John 14, it says, if you you proclaim my name and speak my word, I will do whatever you ask in my name so that the Son may bring glory to the Father. If you stay with the game plan, proclaim the word, you can ask in my name and I will, I'll, I will perform miracles. I will intervene in situations. God rules through his word. Christianity is a word centered because God rules through the gospel word. When Jesus taught in John 14 that God does his work through his word, he was reflecting the common principle of the story of salvation. Let's go back to the beginning. Let's do this. When the earth was formless and empty, God said, let there be light. Amen? And there was light. Genesis chapter 1, verse 1 to 3. Through the word, he brought order out of chaos and light out of darkness. Now, just right there. If your marriage is suffering, if your finances are suffering, if your home is suffering, if your business is suffering, if you feel it's empty and chaotic, get the word on it. Skitch the word on it. Skitch them, boy. Get the word on it. Because the word will reconstitute, it will reframe, it will sort things out. 
Supernaturally, God's Word can do that. Do you know what I'm saying? Supernaturally, you've got to have high confidence as a believer in the Word of God. A lot of people are, are, are sleeping in whatever and they don't even go to church because they didn't get with the game plan of the Christian game plan of relying on the Word of God. They got tired of the preacher wearing colourful jumpers. They got tired of whatever in the church. The novelty wore off, the worship songs wore off, whatever. They got disgruntled. They left the church because they viewed church as a place of entertainment. It was a place of just meeting where the church really is your identity. You are in the Word if you're born again. You are in the community. This defines who you are. Church. Church is not a place where you visit. Church is who you are. When you were saved, you were saved into community. God is a communal God. Well, that's next week. Oh, I'm doing all right. In the beginning, God spoke. John 1.1 1, 1 says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him, all things were made. Without him, nothing was made that has been made. So in the beginning was the word. When God's word is not heard, chaos and darkness close in again. If you go into Jeremiah, there's, Jeremiah is given a vision of God's coming judgment because this is a time when God's people were not following the word. This can happen to Christians. This can happen to society. This happened in England, I believe. This, this happened, this is why the riots, right here. Same deal, just history keeps repeating itself. Jeremiah 4.23, is, is this up here? Am I getting any scriptures at all? Je, Jeremiah 4.23, great. I looked at the earth, Jeremiah's having a vision. He knows this, this uh, you know, he, he knows God's people are out of sorts and he sees them and he goes, oh no, look at them. Look what's happened. I looked at the earth and it was formless and empty and at the heavens and the light was gone. No revelation of the word and society was coming apart at the seams. And if you look around that, you just take that home with you and just have a look in Jeremiah 4.23 and just look around that whole area and you can actually see, you can actually see society and what was happening in England. You can see it right there all around that, that, that very scripture. Formless and empty is the same expression used in Genesis 1-2. Chaos and darkness. That's what can happen even in our society. That's why it's so important what we do as a church to propagate the Word of God because it can change our society. I believe Wyong is so much better than what it was back in 86 when you would ask anyone, unspiritual people, and I used to say to them at work, they used to say, where do you live? I'd say, I live in Wyong. They'd say, oh my God, you poor thing. Why, why did you buy a house there? It's so dark. When Even when I drive through the place, it feels oppressed in that. I said, is that right? I mean, I didn't really know until I realized, oh, yeah, it does. It does feel a bit downtrodden, a bit impress, uh, uh, you know, oppressed and stuff like that. But do you know the miracle of this thing? I was re we were ready to move out, actually, after two years. I said to Jules, have you realized the people around here? They're sad. Let's go hang out with our nice fancy friends at Terrigal. They're all upbeat and dressed well and they do well and let's move out of here god's sake and i was doing so much overtime i didn't really realize where i was living and julie said no i think i think god's speaking to us that we're going to make a change here and so we did we hung out and we saw Wong change for the better 
Because the Word of God started to, the Word of God started to reconstitute this place and revive this place and bless this place. Formless and empty. Let's go back right to the start. Adam and Eve were supposed to express their commitment to God's reign by treating His Word, by, 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 by submitting to His Word. And God said in the very beginning in John uh, chapter 3, Genesis chapter 3, 1. It says there, the serpent encourages the woman to doubt God's word. And then, I think it's in verse 4, and then deny God's word. To doubt and to deny. Did God say? Instead, the woman is governed by what seems then pleasing to the eye. There's another thing. Oh, I'm not sure if I want to go the way of the Word. Gee, I really like that. It looks pleasing to me. You know, so, so Satan still is doing the same thing with us even now. God rules as His Word is trusted and obeyed. God is rejected when His Word is not trusted and not obeyed. When he calls Abraham, though, God begins his plan to restore his rule and create a new humanity. He, that is God, speaks the word of promise. He promises Abraham a people who know God, a land of blessing, a blessing to all nations. So Adam and Eve let us down. They reneged on the word. They said, God, we, don't, we, we, we can't honor your word. We can't respect your word. And because they did that, his rule and reign over this planet was, was separated. And then chaos and sin and all that stuff. Now, he finds, God finds a man called Abraham. Abraham's a man of faith. I don't know, he must be just this extraordinary guy who believes God for his word. If God says it, he believes it. The Bible says it's credited to him as righteousness. He has this extraordinary inner conviction that whatever God says is. Do you know what I'm saying? There's something about Abraham. He's the father of our faith. It all starts back there. Adam and Eve blew it. Got to find someone. Got to, got to get another way into mankind, humankind. How can Abraham, look at this man. Yes, and finds him he does. Abraham. When God liberates, when God liberates his people uh, from Egypt, he does so because of his promise to Abraham. See, Exodus 2.23, during that long period, the king of Egypt died, the Israelites groaned in their sl slavery and cried out. And their cry for their help because of their slavery went up to God. I could see that happening in England again and other countries and other nations. God heard their groaning and he remembered his covenant with Abraham. This promise that he made with Abraham, he's remembering it. He made a promise with Abraham. He said, I'm going I'm to have a people that know me and I'm going to bless them. I'm going to bring them into a good land, a spacious land, a land where I can bless them. And in fact, they'll be so blessed that they can be a blessing. Imagine living a life like that where you're so blessed to be a blessing, Andrew. That's ultimately what God wants for us. He wants us to know Him. He wants us to obey Him, obey His Word. He wants us to come in to this place, this, this place of, of obedience, to the point where we're just living so in, in tune with His Word that, that just stuff, all this good stuff starts to break out over our life 
In fact, we've got so much good stuff that we become a blessing and other nations begin to look at us and go, oh my God, look at Abraham, look at, look at God's people. That was the game plan. God heard their groaning and he remembered his covenant with Abraham and Isaac and with Jacob. So God looked on the Israelites and was concerned about them. Who's, who was a bit concerned about England early this week? It was a, it was a bit concerned. <laughs> you know, <laughs> Jason, you come from there, man. <laughs> I can see God. I'm a bit concerned. Uh, you know, God was saying, I'm a bit concerned. I think God's a bit concerned about our society, our central coast. See, we've got to find the worth of belonging to church, belonging to God. It's not just a religious duty. There is a massive crisis on the planet of mankind being separated from the Word, separated from God ruling and reigning in their life, in their circumstance. And they're separated and they are living in chaos. They are living in emptiness. And man, anything's possible. As we saw, anarchy, fires, people just going, you know, just like animals. It's so worthy what we're doing as church right now. Our job is to proclaim the word. That's what we're doing now. This is one of the most important meetings in our community right now, church, because we're proclaiming the word of God in our society. Exodus 3.15 God also said to Moses, say to the Israelites, the Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, Abraham, the God of Isaac and the God of Jacob has sent me to you. That God has sent. God is sending us to our friends and family in the central coast. Do you feel that? This is my name forever, the name for which I am to be remembered from generation to generation. I'm loving seeing these generations. I'm loving seeing the people that that are coming and having children and, and generational. God is blessing us. Exodus 6, 8, And I will bring you to the land I swore. What's the land? What's the land now? The land now for us is this spiritual place of abiding in God, of abiding in the presence of God and God blessing us in every way and manner. Do you know what I'm saying? Blessing our marriage, blessing our business, blessing our fine, blessing our health, blessing us. He wants to bring us to a spiritual land, Cassie, where God is just blessing us. We're not out here disobedient. We're not out here in rebellion. We're not out here in laziness of faith. We're not out here just doing our own thing. But we're in that place where God is blessing us, obedient to Him. Did I say Exodus 6, 8? And I'll bring you to the land I swore with uplifted hand to give to Abraham, to Isaac and Jacob. I will give it to you as a possession. I am the Lord. A promise is a word about the future and this future orientation gives God's promise its redemptive character. So God made a promise with Abraham. You see that? Abraham, I'm making a promise with you. I'm going to create a new people, a people of my presence, people that know me, people that are blessed, and I'm going to bring them into a place of salvation, and they're going to be my people. They're going to proclaim my word. They're going to rule and reign in their circumstance, but they're going to rule and reign, and they're going to take stock of every situation they, they find themselves in. 
Do you know what I'm saying? And that promise is pregnant with redemptive power. You, you, you know what I'm saying? Because God's going to bring it to pass. <laughs> if He's promised it, it's going to come. It's, his will is going to be done. So when we proclaim the gospel, when we proclaim God's promises, it's pregnant with miracles. It's pregnant with supernatural capacity to bless lives, to bless our community. If those suburbs in England would begin to subscribe to the Word of God, God would begin to refashion those communities, those hearts, those peoples for good. But as they live away from God, they are left to their own devices, which you saw what happened. The word of promise governs Abraham's actions, sending him out from Ur to the life of hopeful pilgrimage. God is re-establishing his rule through his word. So there's, there's, there's Abraham. He says, I, God, you, you're sending me out of my household, out of my father's household, out of that way of life, and you're sending me on a pilgrimage. That's exactly what happened to us as believers. God, you, you're bringing me out of, my, out of all my other stuff, and, and you, you, you're taking me on a journey a spiritual journey and, and Lord, church is there and people of God are there and your word is there and, uh, and that's exactly what Christianity is, is it not? We've left this place just like Abraham has. We've left the place of our, our forefathers maybe who didn't believe in God, didn't know God and we have begun a pilgrimage towards God. I love this stuff. When God liberates his people from Egypt, his word is expressed in the law given at Mount Sinai. Here comes the word of God, God again. The law of Moses is given as the word, say the word, by which God rules his people as they wait for the coming Savior. It is, liber it is a liberating law given to bless God's people. It was a lie of the serpent to portray God's rule as harsh and tyrannical. Did God say, do you really have to do that? Do you really have to live by the Bible? Man, it's, it's fun living by the Bible. It's life-giving to live by the Bible. You know, you don't get diseases. You've you got joy. You know where you're going. You're living. Does it re do, you, do, you, do you really have to? God rules through his word and his rule brings freedom and joy. Hence the Psalms say in Psalm 119 verse 77, let your compassion come to me that I may live for your law is my delight for your word is my delight Jessie's going to Bible college she's bringing home all her uh, extra curriculum and I'm reading it and I can see she's highlighted and she's loving this word now she's starting to buy into it and get into it and, and feed on it I hope you can do the same Psalm 119 verse 97 Oh how I love your law What's the law? It's the word of God How I love your word Find a way to get an ap appetite for the, for the word it, 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 it'll, it'll take a little shifting Because I know, you know In my soul Man, I would love to eat chocolate And, and Coca-Cola and, and lots of cakes And uh, big chickens And uh, uh, and, and you know, big chicken. <laughs> Give me a big chicken <laughs> and a big bar of chocolate and that big Coke there. Thank you very much. But if I did that, <laughs> you know what I mean? My appetite is corrupted. 
if I want to do that every day. I've got to change my appetite. Julie's on to me about drinking more water. Drink more water. Drink more water. You're drinking too much milk. You're drinking too much tea, too much coffee. Drink water. I go, oh, God, I can't drink water. I don't want to... She's forcing it down. I say, hey, oh, mm, that water, mm, that doesn't taste too bad. Oh, yeah, water. Mm. Gee, how long has this been around, this water stuff? <laughs> Israel has been liberated from the oppressive rule of Pharaoh God's liberating law protecting from oppression and ensured provision for all the story of Ruth you can check that out and it's a great story of Ruth being redeemed and she's a Gentile she doesn't know God but she comes under uh, she, she gets redeemed she gets redeemed Boaz, Boaz redeems her. And you can see there, right there, that when people get saved, those four people that are saved at youth on Friday night, when they begin to come under God's rule, under God's word, you can see the same thing happening in them as happened to Ruth. Ruth ended up being very joyously married and redeemed by a kinsman redeemer. Is that right? When people come under the word, we begin to flourish. As God's people lived under his reign through obedience to his word, they would attract the nations to God, reject the word, but time and time they did, and time again they did, and God's people, they started to fall apart again. The people asked for a king, of course, because they want to be ruled like the nations rather than by the word of God. They, want to, they look at these other nations, they say, well, why can't we have a king like these other nations? We don't want to live by the word. We just don't want to live by the, the word. Because when the, when the law was given, they said, we don't want to speak to, to God. Moses, you go, you go get the word. You go, you, you go speak to the word, get the word, bring it back, and you just tell us what it means. People have this propensity not wanting to get too personal with God. You know, they do. They, they, they might be even struggling with me now, being in their face about, because religion is very much like that. Religion is putting this, all this stuff between you and I and swinging the smoking thing and, and all this stuff. And, but God wants to be so personal with you through the Word. Through the Word. He wants to rule and reign through your life, through the Word. Of course, the kings were supposed to hear the word and follow the word and, um, and then God set up the prophets that, who would follow the word and the prophets then would speak to the king and say, you're not following the word or you're doing well in the word. And the prophets were, were keeping the king on track as the prophets do. And um, of course, then we have the prophets declaring there's, a, there's going to be a great collapse to Jerusalem and there was Nebuchadnezzar but in the end, the prophets say there is a great hope. There is a king that will not fail us. And that king is Jesus. And with the word, with the word, Jesus heals the sick. And with the word, he expels demons. Matthew 8, 8, the centurion replied, Lord, I do not deserve to have you and come under my roof. But just say the word and my servant will be healed. Matthew 8:16. when evening came, many who were demon possessed were brought to him. And he drove out the spirits with a word and he healed all the sick. He spoke and people followed him. He spoke the word, people followed him. Jesus is the living word. He is both the promised messianic king and the word by which God rules. In the life of the believer and in the life of the church, God still rules through his word. Who believes that? 
People become Christians when they respond in faith to the message, the gospel. John 5.24 says, I tell you the truth, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life and will not be condemned. He has crossed over from death to life. Romans 10.17 Consequently, faith comes from hearing the message and the message is heard through the word of Christ. Ephesians 1.13 says, And you were also included in Christ when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation. Having believed, you were marked in him with the seal the promised holy spirit james 1 18 he chose to give us birth through the word of truth that we might be a kind of first fruits of all the created he says we're true disciples if we abide in the word he says the word of god is living and active it cuts deep down judging the thoughts and the attitudes of the mind between soul and spirit. The Word of God is profound. It's like a laser beam into your heart. The Bible says in James that the Word of God is like a mirror. Be careful, it's dangerous stuff. The Word of God, when you look into it, you can actually honestly see who you truly are and what God wants you to be. Is that right? In John 2, I'm wrapping it up. The disciples put their faith in Jesus when they see his first miraculous sign, turning water into wine at the wedding of Cana. Verse 11, the story is followed by the cleansing of the temple and Jesus declared that he is the temple. John comments after he was raised from the dead, his disciples recalled when he had said, then they believed the scripture and the words, so they saw these miracles and then they believed, right? Then they believed the scripture and the words that Jesus has spoken. Verse 22, is that up there? John 2 verse 22. So they see these miracles and they say, my God, he, he is the word. It was the word and it is scripture. There is a kind of faith that comes from seeing miraculous signs. But true faith comes through the words of scripture and the words of Jesus. John goes on. Now, while he was in Jerusalem at the Passover feast, many people saw the miraculous signs he was doing and believed in his name. But Jesus would not entrust himself to them, for he knew all men. Verse 23, 24. So Jesus has no confidence. If you've seen a miracle, Jesus said, you saw me turn the water into wine and you saw me do that, but hang on. I don't have confidence in that sort of faith. The, the confidence I have is in that you believe in my words, that you believe in my Father's word. Not that you saw a blind man healed, not that you saw the deaf ear open. That faith is not going to cut it when you're on, you know, a place where you desperately need God. Your loved one is sick and, or, 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 or you know, your whatever is happening. You've got a crisis. You want, you want someone... I tell you, you want someone who believes in the Word. You want someone who understands their confidence in the Word of God. Is that right, Jules? In the church, the risen Christ rules through the Word. God extends His rule through the Word. Nearly done. Mark 4:14. The farmer sows the Word. Some people are like seed along the path where the word is sown. As soon as they hear it, Satan comes and takes away the word that was sown in them. Others like seed sown on rocky places hear the word and at once receive it with joy. But since they have no root, they last only a short while. 
when trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they fall quickly away. Still others, like seed among amongst thorns, hear the word, but the worries of this life, the deceitfuls of wealth, watch this in these days, guys. You receive the word, you get blessed by God, you get saved even, but a year down the line, you go, man, I'm seeing a lot of good stuff. And I'm, I, I, I'm doubting the word and, and, and the word is, is, is actually being denied. But now what I see, the apple, it looks tantalizing. Why can't I have all this stuff that the world is wanting, is presenting to me? Still others like seed are sown among thorns. Hear the word, but the worries of this life, the deceitfuls of wealth and the desires for other things come in and choke the word, making it unfruitful. Verse 20, others like seed sown on good soil, hear the word, accept it, say accept it, and produce a crop 30, 60, or even 100 times what was sown. Meaning that God's going to use the ordinary people that seemingly have no giftedness, no charisma, no razzmatazz in life, but because they receive the word, they become trailblazers for God and they live an extraordinary life. Do you see that? 30, 60, 100 fold. Roy, that's what's happening for you, buddy. People are looking at you, who's Roy? Now, what's he going to do in life? But he starts to receive the word and he becomes 30-fold. He becomes 60-fold. Man, have you seen this guy play guitar? I never knew Roy could play guitar like that. Yeah, he's a 60-fold Christian. Hang on, he's going to Bible college, Bond University. Yeah, because now he's a 90-fold, 90-fold believer, 90-fold Christian. Who, Roy? His schoolmates are going, Roy, Roy's up at Bond University and, and he serves in the house and he... Mark 3.35, whoever, whoever does God's will is my brother and sister and brother. We do the word. The kingdom grows when people hear and accept the word of God. And get this in Acts. Lastly, this is the last thing. Through the preaching of the gospel of God's word, communities, cities, people's lives were changed through the word. It says here in Acts 6-7, so the word of God spread. Acts 12:24. but the word of God continued to increase and spread. Acts 13:49. the word of the Lord spread through the whole region. Acts 19:20. in the way the word of the Lord spread widely and grew in power. Let's all stand. God bless you. I really got on my heart this sense that we need to pray for our nation of Australia. I certainly don't want it to see it end up like England where we've got riots and fires and anarchy in the streets because we don't submit to the word of God. Where the word is being taken out, there's chaos, there's emptiness, there's darkness. Is that right? Is that right? In the beginning, God created. In the beginning, God spoke the word. Jesus came along. He spoke the word. He says, he even himself says, don't worry about the miracles. Greater things you will do than these things because I go to be with the Father. What's the greater things? How can we do more than what you did, God? No, you're going to proclaim the gospel, Jeff McManus. You're going to proclaim the gospel, Marty. You're going to proclaim the gospel. And Dave War, Dave, Dave Moore, and you're going to proclaim the gospel, sir. You're going to proclaim the gospel, Frank. And people are going to be saved into eternity. That is the greater work right there, my friend. And it's because of the Word of God that gives life, that comes into our soul, that comes into our spirit, and man, it lives and we become 30-fold, we become 60-fold, we become 90-fold. Man, and we're living on fire for God 
extraordinary lifestyle. People are looking at us, my God, how did you get that in your life? How did you get prosperous? How did you get alive like that? Where did you get your joy back from? I haven't seen you smile for yonks. Where did you get your Where did you get your finances from? I haven't seen you blessed like that. I got it from the Word of God. I got it. Where did you get your marriage back? Your marriage was on the rocks. I got my marriage back through the Word of God. Your children were out there. They were in nightclubs drinking and partying. But I see your children. Man, they're on fire for God. How did you do that? I got my children back through the Word of God. Yeah, How did you get your business back? Through the Word of God. How did you get your destiny back? You were just floating. You weren't doing anything. You were just meandering in life. We know that the Bible says life should be a pilgrimage like Abraham leaving his hometown and answering the call of God and living by faith. How did you live such an extraordinary life? By the Word of God. By the Word of God. By the Word of God. I must be honest with you. I must be honest with you. With all my experience as being a born-again believer and, and, and as even preaching the Word, as a preacher of the Word, I must be honest with you, and, and I think I need to just say this right at the end. You will, not, you will not grow and you will not realize your best life without the Word of God. Listen, I'll be, I'll be honest. Your good intentions will eventually run out your human zeal will run out. Your best friend club called C3 Tugger, it will run out. You must, you must align your life to the Word of God. There's, there's no, that is the absolute truth of the matter. You must get your Bible and befriend it and ask the Lord to give you an appetite for it. And you must be honest with God. I have an appetite for TV, maybe. I have an appetite for sport and lots of it. I have appetites for my hobbies. If you take that as a game plan through your life, you will be found weighed, measured and wanting on a certain day, especially in these days. You must establish your Christian walk on the Word of God. Men, I'm talking to you. As resilient as you are, as tough as you are, as much as you've made your mind up that God is good, Jesus is, and this is the lifestyle for you and your family, you will be found weighed, measured, and wanting on a certain day through a crisis, a trauma, an incident, a catastrophe, you need the Word of God. I admonish you. I encourage you. I warn you. I admonish you. Get your Bible. Befriend it. Teach yourself, teach yourself to partake of it. Can I, can I say that? Yeah, good. You won't change. You will stay the same. You won't grow. You will get frustrated. You will get frustrated. You will end up out of the church. You'll go back to Egypt because Egypt has faster cars, prettier girls, and whatever else. Please, I'm warning you. I went line by line this morning on purpose. 
the Word of God, the Word of God, you need to put your life and trust in it. Father, help us. Holy Spirit. Now listen to me. The Holy Spirit's going to give you the ability, the ability to get into the Word. And the Holy Spirit's going to take the Word that you read and apply it to your life. That's the Holy Spirit job. But the Holy Spirit's going, give me some, give me some. Give me some. Well, give me what? Give me the Word. That I can perfect, read the Word. Meditate on it. Read it in the given day. And the Holy Spirit will take it and apply it to your life. The Holy Spirit can only use the Word of God. That's His only 